This episode of the Ottawa Entrepreneurs Podcast is brought to you by Extension Marketing. They act as your virtual marketing department, designing and implementing cost-effective marketing strategies that grow your business. For a free workshop, email them at workshop at extensionmarketing.com. Now here's your host, Pat Whalen. On this episode of our podcast, I speak with the founder of Momentum Law. She discusses how and why she left working for a traditional law firm and started her own company. I hope you enjoy the show. I'm Megan Cornell from Momentum Law, and we're here at the Ottawa Entrepreneurs Podcast. Thanks for coming on the show, Megan. Thanks for inviting me. Happy to be here. Um, for th- our listeners that don't know Momentum Law or know of you, mm-hmm. can you tell us a bit about your background and, and how you got started, please? Sure. So Momentum Law is a business law boutique. Um, it's headquartered in Ottawa. We've got uh, someone in Montreal, and we're just working on our Toronto office with uh, big expansion plans. Um, I founded it really uh, in this phase of it about three years ago now, um, and I've been a lawyer for going on 20 years about that now. So my background before founding Momentum Law was great big law firms. I had never been an entrepreneur. I had just supported entrepreneurs, um, but I at a certain point thought, you know, we can do this a lot better. Um, and I didn't feel like we were providing the best experience we could for our, our entrepreneurs. So I said, well, I'll just leave and I'll figure out how to do it. So now I am wow. the entrepreneur and uh, been trying to figure out how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> when you get all the answers, let me know. Yeah, we'll, exactly. We'll write a book together. Yeah, yeah. So I hear the term boutique law firm a fair bit, and mm-hmm. I'm still unclear. Can you, for our listeners, just sure. kind of clarify what that means? Yeah, so in our world, it really just says we don't do everything. We right. have a focus. So our focus is uh, S. SMEs, small and medium enterprises, uh, Canadian. Um, we certainly have clients that have grown exponentially and, and been sold um, to much larger clients or m- much larger businesses. But we're not. Um, we don't source clients that are you know publicly listed or the you know the top 500 companies sort of thing. So uh, SMEs, 98% of the Canadian business market falls into our uh, expertise for sure. Well, it's interesting. A lot of people don't realize the impact SMEs have on the economy. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. anytime, I'm not going to get political here, but anytime any of the governments threaten to raise taxes for small businesses, I always mm-hmm. I always cringe, A, because it's going to affect my business, quite frankly, yeah. but also yeah. I, I think there's a misunderstanding of just how they really do drive a lot of the economy in Canada anyway. Yeah. I mean, we, we see it on a, on a daily basis. And I think the real differentiator with SMEs is how integral... Um, you know, the human element is for entrepreneurs and, and SMEs. If you're a really large company, um, you know, not, not to downplay remotely the importance of those companies in our economy, um, but those, entre- you know, those people working at those companies, no matter how senior they are, they're part of a huge framework that's bigger than them, for better or for worse. Um, but SMEs, even, even on the much larger side of SMEs, they're so really driven by entrepreneurs. It's so personal. And I think that's what was really driving me to say we can do this better because it is so personal um, with entrepreneurs in the SME space. And uh, I don't want to get all political either, but yeah, it. I mean, it. I feel like SMEs are talked out of one side of their mouth as the saviors of uh, of the the Canadian experience, and then the next time you turn around, they're doing things that curtail your ability to grow your business. So anyway, we'll we'll leave the yeah, politics no, 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 there, shall we? Let's just say we both agree. Yeah. Um, so interesting. So twenty year, almost twenty years with, with the mm-hmm. big firm. So was there was there a moment that came like if you don't mind sharing that, if it's mm-hmm. uh, if it's not too personal, was there or something that triggered that saying, you know what, I've, I've got to do this on my own. I just find it interesting, someone that, that yeah. long a period of time working, especially for a big corporate law firm, mm-hmm. uh, to all of a sudden go out and strike it on your own. 
Yeah, so there's two answers to that. One was there was a mounting, um, sort of a a growing concern um, that we were really not in touch with our our clients. Um, We did lots of work for them. Some of them we talked to for hours every day or communicated with them hours and, of course, billed them accordingly. but it really felt like often we'd have conversations where I realized part of our team didn't have the faintest clue what our clients did. And I thought, like, how are we remotely providing service to these people if we don't actually understand what they do, what they make, you know, what their teams are like? We're just answering their legal problem. We're not helping them really do business. So that was mounting over time for sure. Um, and then the rest of it is really a personal story, mm-hmm. like so many entrepreneurs. Um, you know, it was a point in life. I, I knew it was coming. I hope no one's listening to this that used to work with me that knew it was coming for about 18 months. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm like any other entrepreneur. I timed it around my kids going to school full time. And I knew I could set up a home office and not have kids running around the house anymore. Um, and, and that was really the trigger. So uh, it, it wasn't a split second decision for right, me. Right. It was planned. Sounds like it was well planned out. <laughs> yeah. Now, did you always have that entrepreneurial spirit? Like if you, if you look back at it now, like maybe in the mm-hmm. moment you didn't think that because you're working for a, yeah. for a larger firm, but when you look mm-hmm. back at it, would you would you say that's true? Yeah, I can identify that now um, just in terms of, you know, I was always trying to start new practice groups, seeing industry trends and, and trying to uh, get a group going around that and, and understand the marketplace and, and drive, uh, you know, our team, multidisciplinary team to get together around a particular point. Um, I think with many service-oriented individuals, when we go to school for whatever we're going to school for, we're not taught to be entrepreneurial. It's just a missing link in the whole piece. Um, And so you're not, especially when you've got a job at a decent place and you're not worried about your your paycheck uh, coming in every couple weeks, you lose, you, you just don't conceive of yourself that way. You can't imagine that you're entrepreneurial and um, it takes, really throwing yourself into it and, and frankly not realizing that you're about to become an entrepreneur. <laughs> it was, that that was in. a bit of a surprise. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it, it's funny you say that because I find, uh, again, not to get political here, but I find a couple of things lacking with the education system. One is teaching, you know, especially high school students, basic mm-hmm. financial budgeting, home budgeting. Uh, but but also there is no emphasis, at least that I'm aware of, on, on entrepreneurship. And no. and I think that's a mistake. At mm-hmm. least expose the, uh, the young people to this as a potential uh, career choice for them. Yeah, and I think... Um I don't know that it's, I think we should teach young people about it too, but I think really where it belongs is is in the, um, the skilled training, whether it's law school or, um, you know, uh, communications, whatever those, those programs are, because I think what makes you a really good entrepreneur is being passionate about something you're doing. And it may be a very, very narrow niche and you may end up being passionate about multiple things across your life. Um, and if you're if you have that entrepreneurial spirit, you're going to find um, a way to translate your passion for that thing into a business. Um, and I think that's what sets us apart as entrepreneurs. But I think trying to skip over the piece where you you have a little bit of tangible knowledge about something is a mistake. Some people make it right. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know, yeah. some people just will yeah. naturally pick up anything you throw yeah. them at it. They'll be good at it. Um, 
but I know in law school, um, I I think, and, and I'm sure it's some the same with a lot of the professions, um, we should be teaching people that it's you're in the service industry. That doesn't mean that you're not an entrepreneur. In fact, it's you really are an entrepreneur. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I, I guess even working for a large, a large, especially in your industry, mm-hmm. for a large firm, I mean, you must be accountable for your own billing, so you, you're doing a lot of the things that an entrepreneur mm-hmm. uh, that an entrepreneur would do, correct? Yeah, but it's funny because it's not taught to you that way. So, uh, in our world, and and again, I'm I'm sure a lot of services-based industries are like this. There's somebody whose job it is, uh, you know, we we would normally call them a department head, whose job it is to literally pace the hallways and bug you about getting bills out what clients have you not billed yet is all your time in you know and and now I understand it's you know driven by things like the covenants that the bank was you know now I get it but when you're young you'd and starting out you have no idea you just find these these people whose job it is uh, really annoying actually and stressful um, right. and it's funny because if it was presented in a different way and I've tried to really do that with our firm I'm radically transparent with our our budget um, with our entire team not just the lawyers but everybody they need Mm -hmm. to understand um, that we're a business and and what goes into running that business because I think then they can start that entrepreneurial mindset and if they understand our budget considerations they're more likely to be sensitive to our clients budget considerations Um, so I try to lead by example in that way I think it works I hope I'm not stressing the whole team out all of the time with it because it's it's not a stress message at all it's just you know like yeah exactly yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. you you know what's funny Uh, um, I've had a number of people on this show and you're the first person to share that but uh, if I go back and and ask that question of everyone I, I would bet probably more than half of you know are are we're transparent I know um, you know, I started my business four years ago, uh, later on in life. It, but prior to that, the boss that I had for all those years, he was very transparent about everything. He wanted mm-hmm. us to always understand. And it was, you're right, mm-hmm. it was not a scare tactic. It was just a reality message. Yeah, absolutely. This is what we're generating, and this is how much money mm-hmm. we're making, and this is what we need to keep generating so that everyone can stay employed. And if you like it here, that you should be motivated by that. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And, and on the spend side, um, it's really easy to spend money in a business, right? Yeah. Whether it's, if you're not focused, you're gonna spend money on things that aren't helping you achieve your end goals. So you can have all the planning meetings about what your end goals are or, or what your end goal for the next six months and 12 months are. Um, but if everyone doesn't kind of understand, okay, goal, great, but like, you know, you, you, someone will bring a proposal to me still that's so clearly not remotely attached to achieving those goals. And when I can at least turn back and say, you know, it, this is where we're at with this, we, we've got to justify it. We've got to say that spend makes sense because of this, not just because it'll make us feel good or it'll be fun, because a lot of the time it's this would be fun. Um, and I like fun, yeah. right? But um, especially when you're in the early growth stages, we're, we're three years old, we're incredibly young still. Yeah. Um, you know, and we're playing in a world where we're, we're bidding for clients um, and presenting ourselves to clients that have, um, you know, law firms that have been around for 25, 50, 100 years. Um, and we're, we're three, you know, <laughs> we're baby. Uh, and we, go. We've got amazing expertise to, to go up against it. We've got, we really know who we are, which uh, differentiates us. But if you don't know those things, uh, then I think on the expense side, it's pretty easy to yeah. fall into a hole really fast. 
There's a great book. It's called Profit First. It's a little bit hokey, uh, mm-hmm. but I encourage, especially young or new entrepreneurs, to at least take a look at it. Again, it, it is a little bit hokey, but the message is true that you have to be. Th- and and it's, that's not a that's not a uh, an evil word. Profit. It shouldn't mm-hmm. be perceived that way. Without that, there's no business. Yeah. And profit doesn't mean greed. It just means that you have enough uh, enough money to be able to grow your business or expand your business or hire mm-hmm. more people or whatever it is you want to do with that extra money. Yeah. Um, but that book is really all about okay. That's the very first thing you have to take care of. Otherwise, you really don't have a business. Mm-hmm. And I think part of uh, part of the challenge today with shows like uh, Shark Tank and Dragons mm-hmm. Den is it's glorified that uh, you know venture capital getting venture capital or uh, that that's the way to make money mm-hmm. when yeah. in fact for people like you and I it's we have to make sure we have a profitable sustainable business something mm-hmm. that we've started from scratch and, and and can at least grow to a certain point on, on our own yeah yeah and and when you don't have that kind of exponential growth uh, potential that in your business that venture capital looks for um, then you're right you have to sort of um, I don't want to say chug along because that you know that that sounds really boring. I like to you know I like to get ahead in leaps and bounds, um, and and kind of weigh the your your how comfortable you are with risk um, against being completely sensible about um, you know do I want to have to close the doors in six months mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I I decided that we should grow faster than we could really sustain. Um, so there's, you know, slow and steady with bursts of acceleration, I guess, is yeah, my, yeah, yeah. my preferred yeah. Yeah, yeah, I like that. <laughs> preferred way to go. Yeah. So, so just to switch topics here quickly. So within your industry, it's, you know, it's been around a long, long time, obviously. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you're seeing on the, on the technology side of things that are impacting your business? Is there changes there mm-hmm. that, that are affecting how you, you know, especially compared to what you, when you first came out of law school? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, well, just to sort of speed ahead through the first 15 years of my practice <laughs> where technology did very little. Um, you know, when I left my firm and, and set up, um, the first thing I did was chat with some people about, well, you know, what do I do for client management? Like, I, I don't know how to do any of this. I don't know software. I don't know anything. Um, and so I asked around and someone pointed me towards um, the same client management software we still use. That was the first piece of cloud-based software I ever bought. And I grew up in a world where, you know, software procurement took months, if not years, and it was so expensive and the rollout of it was crazy. And I totally understand the pressures of doing that in a, you know, a a professional firm where you've got, you know, 150 users. Um, But this was this whole new world. I can buy software that costs me $50 a month. Are you kidding me? (laughs) And it does everything you want to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we still use that product. It's 10 years old now, uh, just to, again, put it in some context. So we started using a 10-year-old, or at the time it was five years old, and it's evolved a lot in five years. Um, but that was the beginning of it, and this was like this whole new world. Um, and you know, and I'm I'm married to technology, literally. Uh, my husband works in the space, and so you know, I get to bounce stuff off him quite a bit, and he laughs because I think generally services-based people are, are slower, but lawyers are the slowest of the slow <laughs> on these things. There's still I still I spoke at a conference a couple of weeks ago where there are still people asking me, "Is it okay to be in the cloud?" This episode of the Ottawa Entrepreneurs Podcast is brought to you by Extension Marketing. Extension Marketing acts as your virtual marketing department, designing and implementing cost-effective marketing strategies to grow your business. Email them at workshop at extensionmarketing.com to procure free one-hour marketing consultation to grow your business.
you're like, yes, you know, (laughs) guess what? It's actually safer than the server, like that's locked in your, uh, your closet. Um, so the tech, just the, that accessibility, um, of products and the cost, I think is one really huge differentiator, um, that, that you can get tools cheap. You don't, it's not, it allows someone small like us to play at a really high level. And in fact, to play better, um, Mm. for our clients than a lot of the larger firms for who taking on even, even something, even if it's not cost driven, but taking on a change like that is, um, really you know they can't figure out how to do it they can't implement it I, I talked to to several firms about this and they just they say oh we tried that but eh, I don't know I can't get my head around it and that sort of thing um, so that's a big piece I think what's really going to be interesting for law um, is artificial intelligence so we're you know we're really on the very brink of it um, the most kind of exciting stuff we do is automate um, you know, we have templates and we automate certain steps now. We're just on the brink of it. Um, but artificial intelligence, we're, we're looking at a chat bot right now that will answer um, a series of, of questions. It's from a company out in BC. Um, and it'll allow a conversation with a potential client on our website um, to happen. And, and we'll train the chat bot through mm-hmm. AI mm-hmm. to identify whether it's they really need a business lawyer or what right. the, you know, they're looking for right. a personal injury lawyer, you know, the most basic... Um, and stuff like that, I embrace that because what, where our value as lawyers is, isn't in pushing paper. I mean, the more you can get artificial intelligence to do some of the basic stuff, the better off the clients are and we are because we're error prone. We take time and our real skill is our experience and our ability to provide that business guidance. So I'm not remotely challenged by AI. I think mm-hmm. it's great. Where I think it will prevent uh, present some real challenge, and I think our industry is not alone probably, is um, how we're, it, that's going to get rid of the young people jobs. So if, if our stock and trade, if what we're good at is the wisdom piece, it takes years to gain that wisdom. How are they going to get that wisdom? Exactly. Right. Yeah, so I yeah. mean, it's not—it's not my problem, as it turns out, right. because I'm—I'm <laughs> yeah, I'm, right. I'm already too old to care, <laughs> I guess. Um, but it's—it's true. I mean, I—we I, have a lot of young people at our firm, and they're not going to get squeezed out because of this, because it's going to take, you know, several years, right. and they're going to gain the wisdom in the meantime. But at a certain point. We're going to say why, you know, yeah. we have AI doing the work of, of juniors and, mm-hmm. and clerks. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's good for the client. It's good for the industry. But yeah. there's going to be this gap of, well, how do you learn that stuff? Yeah. But, but you know, I, I find that it would be my guess that there'll, there'll be something we haven't thought of yet today that will then fill that gap for those junior people. Yeah. That they'll be Presumably, able to get yeah. that, that, that wisdom and, and the experience. But yeah. Uh, I find a lot of entrepreneurs, or especially older entrepreneurs, tend to resist technology. Mm-hmm. And my advice to them all the time is, you you, you can't escape this stuff. So you mm-hmm. better embrace it. You better understand it. Um, and it doesn't mean every piece of technology is right for your business, and that's yeah. okay. But you can't just dismiss it because it's techno. You know, it's based in technology yeah. as something that your business doesn't need because. Uh, we're seeing it even with uh, you know one of our clients that deals a lot with the, with in, in in the rural areas of Ottawa and, and a lot of farmers and and the technology that they have mm-hmm. is incredible yeah and people wouldn't even guess that yeah uh, but having seen it firsthand it's amazing it's in so every business it's in every business yeah. and you can't and you can't escape it and you really should embrace it and try to make it mm-hmm. you know try to use it to your advantage for sure yeah 
Um, if you look back at your, you know, you've been at this three years now, is there kind of one or two go-to lessons you'd like to share with our listeners that, you know, that maybe things that happened you didn't see coming when you started your business, you know, that ah, I should have probably seen that one coming? Mm-hmm. Um, the first one, which I think transcends any business, and you probably have this conversation with people all the time, is watch your cash flow. And that's no different for a lawyer. You know, everyone assumes lawyers are rich, and it's not true. <laughs> not, or at least uh, starting a year old law firm doesn't make you rich. Um, but it, I, I think when you come from a world where you don't worry about who's paid their bill and when, I'm, I'm positive clients weren't paying our bills where I used to work um, and not paying them in a timely fashion. But it just hadn't occurred to me that that happened. It wasn't my problem. Right. Right. Um, and, and then also you watch through a few cycles that there's times of the year where people are that much slower and you need to learn to manage that. Um, and, and clients, your, your bill is no different than anybody else's bill. You're just in the queue and everyone's, Mm -hmm. they have people that are taking a while to pay them and it's this like cycle, right? And so, um, if you're not on top of your cash flow and you're not, you know, a few months secure, all of a sudden January comes, people are really slow to pay in January. I didn't know that. Yeah. How how was I supposed to know that business clients were slow, um, paying in January? Uh, but it's true. And um, so cash flow is is king. And then I guess the other thing that um, I think it took me a little while to learn was that even if you're a team of two, you know, obviously, you know yourself, you can work Mm -hmm. with yourself if you're Mm -hmm. solopreneur at at first. But the minute you start growing a team, um, that team is the most important thing. And they need to be the focus of your attention at all times. And not just in terms of talking them up and making them feel good about themselves, um, but in terms of making sure you communicate with them. Um, I discovered I wasn't naturally inclined to sort of tell people you're doing a good job. Mm-hmm. I It's not the world I came from when right. nobody patted us on the head and told us yeah, you're doing yeah. a good job. Um, you know, and I didn't do that enough at first. I didn't. Mm. I didn't tell people that was a really great memo, or you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, learning to really understand each person's individual needs, um, and and that a team, you know, is stronger with diversity. You don't need you. You don't need a bunch of cookie cutters as you grow your team by any stretch. Um, so then you have to figure out what what each person needs. You can't assume everyone needs the same thing. Um, so, so how did you come to that conclusion? Was it a staff member that said, hey, Megan, you know, like I'd appreciate if you let me know on a more regular basis I'm doing a good job or, or you left. just kind of figured it out? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and you never know exactly because it's not yeah. human nature to say I think you're a terrible boss. And I, right. I don't think I, even in those situations, that I was a terrible boss. Um, but I just sort of took it for granted, you know, I'm working seven days a week to make yeah. this happen. You're not, and that's okay. I'm not asking yeah. you to. This is, you know, my thing. It's me that wants to work this hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's easy to take, it's easy to feel like you're putting so much into it um, and you're, you know, providing a livelihood for people that they they should just kind of be happy for that livelihood and that they don't need to be um, fed emotionally yes. yeah, a little yeah. bit as yeah. well. Um, and it costs you nothing to do that. Yeah. That's the best part. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, and you know what? Advice to any listeners, honestly, it really doesn't take a lot. No. Like you said, first of all, 
there's nothing monetary necessarily involved no. with that. Just recognizing, not, mm-hmm. I think it's got to be genuine. I think that's the key yeah. to the whole thing. Yeah. Um, I remember years ago when I was just just out of school, um, uh, I had a boss that was it was it became regiment. I knew that every Friday at around ten o'clock he was going to say something good about the work <laughs> I don't know, okay there's no way you, you are really reaching for this one Even t- if it, <laughs> at least schedule the spontaneity you know like change it up a bit yeah and the worst yeah. part is I, I it took me a lot longer a lot longer than I cared to admit to figure out what he was doing but mm-hmm. uh but I think it's got it's got to be genuine for sure yeah so so you mentioned you know the seven days a week and it's something all of uh, all entrepreneurs you know we put in mm-hmm. a lot of hours but any tips or tricks in terms of prioritizing your day and and uh, is there, have you figured that one out yet? Or is it nope. still a work in progress? Okay. <laughs> nope. <laughs> okay. No, um, I, I guess I'm one of those entrepreneurs that so long as things are going well, um, I mean, I, I, I am that parent that sits at, on the soccer field with my laptop and, yeah. and I'm doing emails. Yeah. Um, and, you know, judgment, <laughs> fine, pass your judgment if you want, it's okay. Uh, that doesn't make me unhappy. And so my line is, am I happier or am I not happy? And and for sure, it's not 365 days of happy. Mm. Um, but, you know, there's been times where the business has sort of like, I haven't felt that forward momentum. It took me this long yeah. to work that in. Yeah, nice. nice. Um, well done. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I was um, for that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when that, when I felt stalled and, and sort of not really sure about, okay, you know, do I want to be working seven days a week to feel like this? Absolutely not. So you're either going to change it up or you're going to get out. Yeah. And so far it's been changed up every okay. time. Okay. Um, and I'm still, uh, I'm looking forward to potentially my first ever, um, well, first in five years vacation without uh, really working. Yeah. And, and my version of that is, oh, great, that pile of things I was really looking forward to reading that are work-related, yeah, I'm going to yeah. get to on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, you know, as other people will be looking after clients. That's vacation yeah, to me. Yeah, so sure. anyway, to each his own, by no means, listen, if that's not your bag, <laughs> well, doesn't I, mean you're successful or I, not. I know? met with someone, uh, not on this show, but a, a, a while back, and, and <laughs> he said to me, I'm going to get the line wrong, but basically what he said was, oh, if I would have known being an entrepreneur was this hard, I never would have done it in the first place. And I said, what, what were you envisioning? You know? He said, well, I thought I was going to be taking time off, and yeah. my time was my own. I said, well, yeah, there's some of that, but you better you better understand what you're getting into here. You know, yeah. e- Even on holidays, uh, you know, I'll spend the first hour of that day just uh, going, making sure everything's okay. Yeah. Because I know it's going to be on my mind all day, and if I Absolutely. can clear that out mentally yeah. at the beginning of the day, even on vacation, then I'm going to have a better day later on. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's a bit of a falsehood that people think they start a business and and mm-hmm. it's a, it's yeah. a free for all. You know, just do whatever you want with your time, and it's just not reality. Yeah, and and I think even the you know you grow your team so that you would have more spare time. Yeah. Uh, third lesson learned. <laughs> In fact, you just <laughs> grow your responsibilities. Right. Um, so, I mean, it's it's been great to grow our team and bring in more expertise and yeah. have people doing different things, um, but it has not made life less busy. That's well, no, because sure. now you're managing, in exactly. addition to running a business, now you're managing a group as yeah. well, right? So Exactly. Interesting. Yeah. Um, we're almost out of time. So um, you were telling me a little bit before we went live about mm-hmm. some of the work that you do in the community. Would you like to share that with our listeners, please? Yeah, sure. Our, our focus, um, because of course we know lots of people need legal services. We do business legal services, and that's all we can provide anyway. Um, so our focus has, has tended towards 
um, entities that support entrepreneurship or support some sort of innovation and, um, and, and that sort of thing. So, for example, we support Startup Canada, which is just a great relationship. Mm-hmm. We love what they do. Um, they're a really important force in entrepreneurship in Canada. Um, so we love that. And then, you know, we work with a, a small innovative company in um, Ottawa here called Factory that is basically, you know, comes up with this crazy, wacky ideas all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a, a partnership of a, a group of people um, out of Ottawa U, scientists. And they're just, you know, they're never going to... It must be uh, amazing. <laughs> yeah, 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 and, yeah, you know, they're loads of fun. So that's what we tend to focus on. Um, uh, Elevate Women International, that's another group that we support. Um, we we might, because, you know, we have a fairly strong feminist team, both the men and the women on our team tend towards uh, being quite feminist, Good. Uh, support women in entrepreneurship projects, but it's by no means exclusively what we work with. Very nice. Where can our listeners find out more about, uh, about you and the company? Super easy, momentum.law. Perfect. Thank you very okay. much for your time. Thanks, Pat.